what's the big picture? That's a difficult question to answer. So many things happen to us, and there are so many details of our lives, and we wonder, what's the meaning of it all? What's the bigger picture that my life fits into? Did you know there's an entire book of the Bible that's completely dedicated to answering that one question? Does my story fit into what the world? The book of Ruth comes along and tells you this story about a bunch of no-name people living in a small town. And it says, absolutely. Your life is woven into the larger story that God is telling. That's the point of the book of Ruth. And if you will, open up your Bible and let's read part of the first chapter of Ruth together. During the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. A man with his wife and two sons went from Bethlehem of Judah to dwell in the territory of Moab. The name of that man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They entered the territory of Moab and settled there. But Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. Then only she was left, along with her two sons. They took wives for themselves, Moabite women. The name of the first was Orpah, and the name of the second was Ruth. And they lived there for about ten years. But both of the sons, Malon and Chilion, also died. Only the woman was left, without her two children and without her husband. Then she arose along with her daughters-in-law to return for the field of Moab, because while in the territory of Moab, she, she had heard that the Lord had paid attention to his people by providing food for them. She left the place where she had been, and her two daughters-in-law went with her. They went along the road to return to the land of Judah. Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go, turn back, each of you, to the household of your mother. May the Lord deal faithfully with you, just as you have done with the dead and with me. May the Lord provide for you, so that you may find security, each woman, in the household of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. But they replied to her, No. Instead, we will return with you to your people. Naomi replied, Turn back, my daughters. Why would you go with me? Will there again be sons in my womb that they would be husbands for you? Turn back, my daughters. Go. I am too old for a husband. And if I were to say that I still have hope, even if I had a husband tonight, and even more, if I were to bear sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you refrain from having a husband? No, my daughters. This is more bitter for me than for you, since the Lord's will has come out against me. And then they, let, then they lifted up their voices and wept again. Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth stayed with her. Naomi said, Look, your sister-in-law is returning to her people and to her gods. Turn back after your sister-in-law. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to abandon you 
to turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do this to me and more so if even death separates me from you. This story begins with an average Israelite family. They're in Bethlehem, the southern part of the hill country. And there's a famine. So they move. They cross the river Jordan and go up into the hill country of Moab. Now, if you've been paying attention to the story of the Bible, the Moabites, they're bad guys. They've had this tense relationship with the people of Israel. They've been at war with each other off and on for about 150 years. But this Israelite family has to move there to the land of Moab for food. And while they're there, tragedy strikes. The men of the family die. And as for the women, one turns back to leave. But this other Moabite woman, and you're suspicious of her because of everything you know about the Moabites from the Bible. But this one woman, this Ruth, she wants Yahweh, the God of Israel, to be her God. And she shows faithfulness to her mother-in-law. Now, doesn't this sound like a very human story? Like an average story? Like a normal life? It's made up of random people and tragedy and having to move and having a hard time putting food on the table. It's a story about being faithful to the people that you love. And we wonder, is this how God is at work in these people's stories? Because this was a common situation ancient Israel. A tragedy would strike. The husband would die. And the status of the widow was vulnerable. Because in that culture, it was the husbands, it was the men who were the landowners. They were the protectors of the family. And now that the husband was gone, someone could come in and buy up the land and the woman could be left homeless. She was in a position where it would be easy for someone to take advantage of her. And in our story today, we have two widows who come back. And it's harvest time. And they find themselves in Boaz's field. And guess what? He's a relative. And you know what? He's friendly. He's generous. Do you see where the stories go? It's random coincidences. But it's also God. It's also God working His story in and through the tragedies. It's God working in and through choices and circumstances. It's God working through decisions and details. 
and those so-called random details, they don't look so random now, do they? So they find themselves in Boaz's field. And Boaz is called the Redeemer. Now, different translations will say family guardian or kinsman redeemer. In ancient Israel, this redeemer, this was a cultural practice where a close relative had a special obligation to help a family keep or reclaim its property if hard times or a tragedy happened. So to put it plainly, in this story, the Redeemer would buy the land so the family doesn't lose it and marry the widow and welcome her into his family so she is taken care of. Boaz is the Redeemer. But remember, Ruth is a Moabite. There could be tension. This could get off. But what is Boaz's response? He's generous to these poor widows. He protects them. And you know what he's really, what he's really doing? He's obeying the Torah. He's obeying the law, God's law. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what's going to happen? How's God going to use these decisions and random details to work out his story? Well, chapter 3 seems a little bit strange to us. To put it in context, because Ruth lost her husband, she would be in a time of mourning. And she would show this by not putting on makeup or perfume or in that culture oil, and she would wear very plain clothes. So in chapter 3, it sounds strange to us, but Naomi is saying to Ruth, Girl, you've got to show Boaz that you're available. So change your clothes and show everyone that you're no longer mourning, that you've moved on to something else now. You're available. And this causes Ruth to have to be very bold to go at night to the threshing room floor to lay at Boaz's feet. And now, Boaz is this hard-working and upstanding man in the community. And Ruth, she's this Moabite at night. But we hear that she's very earnest. She lays at his feet and she pleads, Please protect us. We're vulnerable. We need shelter. We need protection. She's asking not only for herself, but for her mother-in-law. And what does Boaz do? He steps right up to the plate. He says that he will redeem her. He will protect them if you know, every good love story's got to have some conflict. If the other man, who is a closer relative, does not want to. So the next day, Boaz goes to the city gate to wait for this man. 
when this other man learns that to redeem the property means also redeeming Ruth, he says no. And Boaz does the right thing and redeems and marries Ruth. So, why is this story in the Bible? I mean, it's interesting to learn about history and culture and to have this love story about second chances. But what's the meaning? If you look at the last couple of sentences in the book of Ruth, it ends with a genealogy. Now, it's taken me 36 years to figure this out and to figure out a way to say it in a way that it makes sense. So I'm going to share it with you. Genealogies in the Bible are ways of tracking God's faithfulness through the stories of people. And who does the genealogy end with? David. The story of Ruth leads to the story of David. Look how your Bible is laid out. The book of Judges comes right before Ruth. And the book of Judges ends with chaos and anarchy and moral corruption among the people. And it ends with a cry for the king. The book after Ruth are the books of Samuel. And Samuel introduced Saul and David, Israel's first two kings. So, believe it or not, that genealogy is giving us the big picture. And you know what? It turns out that some small decisions in a barley field, on a threshing room floor, at a city gate, those seemingly random events, they are the way that God will bring Israel's anointed king, David, about. And it's from David's family that God will send the Messiah, Jesus, through whom we are reconciled to God. So do you see it? This is the big story and the little story. This is the story of God going on inside a personal story. And what the book of Ruth is really trying to do is to get us to think about the way that God works in our lives. Because we have these three portraits of how God works in our lives in the random details. We see Naomi, and in her life, tragedy strikes, and she thinks that God is punishing her. And while that may be how she feels, is that true? No. And what the storyteller is going to do is reveal that God did not plan those events. He's not responsible for them. But God is able to redeem them. He's able to take this tragedy and weave into her life the story of redemption. To make her part of his big story. And we have this immigrant, Ruth. She's an outsider. She's bold. She breaks societal norms. She says, I want to be your God. I want your God to be my God, and I'm going with you. Even if it means I'm going to stand out. 
And God uses her bold initiative to go to the threshing room floor at night. And God honors her boldness. And He uses her faithfulness to weave her into His story. And there's Boaz. He's older. And if you read the entire book, there's this little detail that I love that basically says he's not as handsome as he once was. But we see he's principled. And he's a hard worker. And he's built a reputation as someone who does what's right. Like Joseph, he does the next right thing. And when it's time to make one small decision, to be generous, to fulfill his responsibilities, God uses that to weave Boaz into his story. So who do you identify with? The exiled Naomi, who's in pain and tragedy? Do you identify with Ruth, the outsider? The one who gets stereotyped? The one who's called to obey God in ways that don't make sense because they involve risk and being bold. Are you like Boaz? And you just do the right thing. You have principles and you work hard and you choose to do the next right thing. And God honors that. So what this story is training us to do is to look for the fingerprints of God at work in our everyday lives. Because we never know what moment, what decision, what conversation, what relationship is going to weave together into the big story that God is weaving together in our world. And the good news is that we are part of that story. And that's the point of the book of Ruth.